When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Brown and Black Podcast. My name is Jack Rico. And I'm Mike Sargent. And every week we take a look at race and pop culture through a brown and black lens. Well, Mike, we have a really interesting, hot topic today. I would say that this is one of those conversations in the media and entertainment space that I feel hasn't gotten as much pickup. So I wanted to maybe expand on it a little bit here on the podcast. And it has to do with the Gannett lawsuit. And it's essentially about reverse discrimination, alleging that it's DE&I efforts, the ones that you want more black people, more inclusive people, more diversity in your newsroom that we've been fighting for so long. Well, this has led to discrimination against white employees. And white employees are pissed off that they're not being able to get these jobs or they're being laid off, even though they know they're qualified, Mike, to do this job. But if every white person is qualified and no black or Latino or gay or female person is not as qualified as a white person, how then do you propose that there's going to be more black people if they're not as prepared as you? They're not going to Harvard like you. So this whole thing to me, Mike, is a topic of conversation that I wanted to have with you to be able to better understand if white people actually have a point or if this has just gone way too far. Okay, first of all, I don't know how much time you want this podcast to be, okay? Because we could call this episode one. All right, let me say this. First of all, there are a lot of things at play here. And I feel that racial discrimination or reverse discrimination is tip of the iceberg. Because, okay, just what you're talking about, this whole notion of white people are being discriminated against for the sake of diversity, for the sake of these companies a hiring more diverse workforce. What, when you have these narratives, and trust me, it is a narrative. I'm gonna come back to that phrase narrative. When you have these narratives, here's the problem. You can remove context. And when you remove context, you can say anything. It sounds strong, okay? What you're forgetting is, like you said, that how many industries, film industries, sports, mm -hmm. being a fireman, being a sanitation worker, name an industry where it was not predominantly white. And the only industries where they allowed people of color, whether it was brown or black, whether it was in the fields or whether it was in factories, was because they were able to work cheaper than their white counterparts. And those jobs became then less desirable. So I 
have a lot of issues with this, and I don't think it started here. I feel like this is a piece of a much, much bigger picture. Oh, man, listen, affirmative action was just knocked down in the educational system with Harvard. Exactly. Big story that happened, and that was going to the military, and here it just feels like it's an attack on all diversity in America. This is. is an attack. They want to eliminate it. They want to hold power and they want to be able to cherry pick which black or Latino or woman or diverse person is hired that they feel aligns with them instead of the other way around. Dude, first of all, I think you're being too generous. I don't think they would pick any black or Latino or Asian Unless they had to. That's the whole point why we had to have these laws. These laws were created because there was discrimination. It wasn't talked about. They had to create these laws because so many people of color were being discriminated against. So the thing, and, and again, I was talking about narrative. The thing that guiles me, because the guy you talked about, the same person that was able to have it overturned in the educational system to get rid of all of those let's just say all the things that made education a little more accessible for people of color is the same guy that has filed. You heard about the fearless fund in Atlanta? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's the same guy who is doing it. And he calls his organization the center for equal opportunity. Mm -hmm. Now think about that. What a like, like, that's like a mind fuck. Okay. It's a center for equal opportunity. It's like moms for liberty. There's no freaking liberty. There's no equality here. It's all about putting whites back in a position of power. And in my opinion, it is no mistake that it's happening at the same time that we have all these book bans. Okay. Now, listen, I'm just trying to be objective here. Now, I'm not defending anybody uh, white on this particular issue, but. There is something to say, and I think that this is the gray area because this is not a a black and white thing, no pun intended, but what if you're a Harvard journalist? You know you're well-prepared. You know you got this going on. You know that you're better than everybody else in the newsroom. But because Gannett needs to hit a diversity goal in 2025 and there's money and promotions and uh, everything attached to it that's positive, you slowly start taking out white people. And I'd be like, what did I do wrong? And somebody says to you, well, what you did wrong is that you're white. Well, first of all, let me deconstruct Wait, Okay, okay, because I will attack the shit out of that. Go ahead. Okay, so then I think that there's this perspective that the white person goes, so you're saying that I'm no longer qualified, that I no longer can have this job that I like so much, because I'm white. So now they feel like every other black person, Latino, brown person, uh, gendered person in this planet that is not male. They now start feeling like them. They start feeling like the minorities. And their immediate action is to use laws to counter this. Like we have been begging for since the 1964 Civil Rights Act. We've been at this for 400 years. They just get scraped. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But I also understand that it's not one or the other. It's not a, a zero-sum game. D- does DE and I need to evolve to not be so blatant about removing white people 
if they're well prepared for that job and they can actually help. Okay, come on, come on. I'm sorry. No, they're not fucking removing white people. That's the narrative. That's the fucking bullshit. No, they're not removing white people. I'm sorry, this person and th that whole case and everything, I have a lot of issues with it. I feel like there are a lot of holes in that because, hey, if you look at the, the data in that same article, they say that Gannett Media staff is 70% white and 57% male. Black employees make up 11.5% of the staff members. So nearly 8% of the employees are Hispanic and 3% are Asian, are Asian and less than 1% are indigenous. Now, how is that diverse? And, okay, if there are a finite amount of jobs, because this is where I really want to deconstruct it. Oh, I went to Harvard and I deserve this job. Okay, how did you get into Harvard? Okay, mom and dad. Did, exactly. And how did mom and dad afford to put you into Harvard? Okay. By generational wealth. Okay, generational <laughs> wealth. Now, who else has been denied that generational wealth? Us. Okay, thank you. Okay, so the whole point here is that we've been denied this opportunity. Why do you think, now this is where I come back to the insidious part and where I'd say it's by design. Why do you think they want to get rid of, okay, yeah, you know what? The same time he went to Harvard, there was probably a black guy and an Asian guy and a Latino guy who also went to Harvard and they got in because of inclusion. But now that they get rid of all the inclusion, now that we get rid of all the ways in which we can have more diverse people to be quote unquote qualified, okay, we don't have them. Now we only have a white pool to choose from. Now we can say, hey, we're choosing the best qualified because you've never allowed any of these other people to become qualified because they've never had access to these resources. Okay. And on top of it, if we create a whole nation of people who know nothing about the actual history of this country, about black history, about Native American history, about Latino contributions, if you don't have that and you just believe white is right and white is what it's always been, like I said, you remember that line that a girl in college said to me. She goes, well, if black people aren't inferior, then how come it's always been this way? Mike, it's true. Listen, everything you're saying, I'm not going to refute, man, because we are... Down looking up. Well, I, I, I get it. I get it. But, but I, I want to answer that... your question, though. Go ahead. I want to answer your question because you said to me, what if and, and what about what does it what do you say to that person? What I say to that person is that, unfortunately, the reality is that you have started out at the head of the class. You have started out at the front of the race line. OK, the only way some of these people are going to get an opportunity is through diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion laws and programs and setups. Now, I'm not saying that maybe there was a company that did get rid of a white employee so that they could meet the diversity clause. Well, hello, you know what? This is just tip of the iceberg, in my opinion. What you're saying is all of a sudden you felt discriminated against. Well, hello. So now you're going to use the same but laws. You, yeah, but you can't. Uh, okay. But you I'm, see, that's I'm what I'm saying. Morally. But, but dude, no, then stop with the morality here. Stop it. Because I'll tell you why. Because soon as you open that door, it's the same thing here. There was no law saying you can't hire black people. There was no law saying you couldn't hire Latinos. There were no laws saying you cannot do it. But guess what? People did it. Now, where was morality? But, that, but see, that's my issue. They did it wrong, Mike. They, they've been they? doing it, but hold on a second. No, white people from okay. the beginning of the yes. inception of this country. Yes. They've been doing it wrong from the get-go, and we know it. That's right. why we've been fighting back, but we're not fighting back so we can create the same laws to discriminate against anyone. 
But, but hold on, I didn't say I'm not saying that we're creating because we don't have the power to create laws. Exactly. So okay, fine. But but what I am saying is that we also should do it right. If we are going to be in positions of power, we're not going to apply the same shit that made people like us feel fucking like less than we shouldn't apply that to anyone. So what I'm saying is that there maybe needs to be a different approach. You can't have a, a, a black person or a white person that's the boss at Gannett come over to a white person and says, listen, we're getting rid of you not because of your performance. We're getting rid of you because there's too many white people here. So we got to get rid of you. That did no. not happen. That's why there's a damn lawsuit. Yeah, but that is not what somebody said to this person. This is what they're alleging now after this quote-unquote investigation. We'll have to see what happens in the lawsuit. I'm not saying that it's not possible. But, but this has been happening because all across America, Starbucks, Target, these are other lawsuits that are also in development because there's white people that have been told, okay, that their skin color is overwhelming and that we have to take you out so we can put more black female Latinos in there. And the reason just doesn't add up. And I also disagree that just because you're white doesn't mean that we need to take you out. There has to be performance metrics, something where the person fucked up on. I agree with all that, but I do not think that all these lawsuits coming up, I'm sorry, I call bullshit. All of a sudden now, all of a sudden now, okay, so if I were to say that, okay, it's happening, they're plucking white people out of their jobs and removing them, because unfortunately, this has been a narrative you've always hearing. They will not replace us. What do all the Nazis yell? They will not replace us. This is a narrative. I'm sorry. I do not believe it's reality. I'm and sorry. Do you think I don't. they're all Republicans? They're all Trumpsters? These are a lot of liberals and Democrats in this. Please, the liberal. Let, don't even get me going on liberals. But let me say this, okay? If there is a reason why is a company doing that? Okay, let's back it up. Why is a company doing it? Why would a company want to meet any kind of diversity, equity, inclusion quota? Why would a company do that? A white-owned company, why well, would they do it? We know the answer to this. Oh, no, you tell me. Okay. I want to hear what your thought is. Because there's not enough of us to create a diverse outlook of the way we absorb information. Right now, the only outlook in America that most people consume is a white outlook. There is no black people considered or Latino people considered in the papers of record of the United States. So we're all consuming some Harvard white Democrat or Republican outlook on a movie, on food, on Everything that we live, our lifestyles are seen through a white gaze and no other gaze. Therefore, it needs to be changed. What I'm saying is I have a problem in getting rid of anyone just based on their skin color because they're more of. There has to be a way to come in and say, look, it's not just your white color. It's also this, that you're coming in late every day. So I need to know exactly how they're firing these people and not just you're too many. All right. I don't know. I haven't heard about these firings and I would like to see, I'd like to see the details of at least one case. I would really, I really wish I had seen one because I haven't seen any details of any case where any white employee, other than this Gannett thing, where any white employee has been fired because they were white. They may have felt that way because what they're saying, and you even read that Gannett, well, these other people, no black people got fired. Now, 
what does that say? Now, coming back to the question I asked you, you said that the reason that these companies are doing it is because there needs to be more diversity. Basically, you're saying the reason these companies are pushing diversity within their companies is because there needs to be more diversity. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Okay. I say that, yeah. That's what you and I will say, and that's why you and I are, that's not why these companies are doing it. They're not doing it because, oh, we need more diversity. They're doing it because of how it looks, how it meets the the demands of whether it's the public facing of the company. Business. It's business. They know. Thank you. Boom. It's business. That's why. It is not because they would, if the tide turned, Okay, and this is where I'm coming. This is really where I'm going. If the tide turns and they realize they might lose money if they don't cater Mm -hmm. to the racism and the bigots, they'll do what Scholastic did. Scholastic has these book fairs. Mm -hmm. And the Scholastic is the one of the biggest publishers of children's books in the country. They have tons and tons of books. This they are directly responsible for what kinds of books gets in the hands of children. What kind of stories children read, how their view is of the world in this country, Scholastic. So what did Scholastic decide to do? They decided instead of having all the wealth of books that you can choose from in children's books to fill your libraries at your various public schools, they decided to create two programs for their book fairs, two programs where you could have one that's inclusive of everybody. That's what's normally what we've been doing all these years. And then one where there are no characters that are non-white Wow! in any of the books. And they did it. And they did it. And they rolled it out. And guess what? It, they got a lot of backlash. They got a lot of backlash. But guess what? They didn't do anything about it until the New York Times called wrote them an out. article. Called them out. Exactly. And then they had to do a walk back. Okay, and I have the letter in front of me. I could read some of the letter, but again, they created a narrative. Now they're like, okay, first I want to apologize. This is from Ellie Berger, the president of Scholastic Trade Publishing. First, I want to apologize on half of, half of Scholastic. Even if the decision was made with good intention, we understand now that it was a mistake to segregate diverse books in an elective case. Now, let me stop right there. Here's what she's saying now. The decision was made with good intention. What's the good intention of segregating books? To appease white Republicans. Thank you. Thank you. To appease. You know what you're doing there? You are now giving respect to the bigot. You are respecting the bigot and the bigot's views, and you're catering to the bigot, and you are allowing now the bigot to control your actions. You're not standing up for what's right. You may own all these authors and own all these rights to all these books, but guess what you're doing? You're excluding them. You're segregating them to cater to bigots. You're catering to them. So if you cater to them, guess what? If I go to a restaurant and they cater to me, I feel like I'm an important customer. And so that is, in my opinion, is the danger, okay, of thinking in this narrative that, oh, I am, uh, uh, oh, if, if I, as a white person, can't get hired, because this is really what it comes down to. It's more about them fearing that they won't get hired. Like It won't be the, like back when America was great, when white people ran everything. That's when, quote unquote, America was great. There's, let, let's not pretend. So for me, I feel too strongly about this to buy into like, oh, well, yes, I agree. Everybody should be judged on merit. Okay. But 
I do not think that's what's happening here. We also can't do the merit thing either because we know that white people are more prepared than black and Latino people because we don't have the same access that they have to education. Meritocracy is a myth in America. And in my opinion, it's a false comparison. Reverse racism is a false comparison at its core. It doesn't, it's bullshit. It's bullshit and it's a narrative that is pushed. Again, we're in an age of narratives and being binary. You're on one side or the other. So to me, one of the things they tried to do with this whole education thing was pit Asians against blacks. And it worked. And it worked, exactly. The model minority has been, again, another narrative that has been used to divide and conquer. Ultimately, what do we do about this situation? Because it's happening. Starbucks, Target are preparing lawsuits. The affirmative action at Harvard has already created ripples throughout the educational system. Brown and black people feel more demoralized than ever. If these lawsuits actually happen and these white employees win, which is possible because look at affirmative action. What does this country look like and what do we do about it? What do brown and black people do? Because this seems like they're going to go for every institution in America. They're going to dismantle everything that civil rights put together. And for those who don't know, the Fearless Fund is was a, a grant program for women of color because women of color make up like in terms of entrepreneurs and access to resources, they make up a, a very tiny percent, less than 2% for the entire country. That's why the fund was created. Same thing with affirmative action. It was created because of all the biases within our society. But the nonprofit that's suing them, they call themselves the American Alliance for Equal Rights. And this is, it's like Moms for Liberty. Mm. It, they're all words that act and posture to be all about equality or rights, or but equity. they're not, mm-hmm. or equity, exactly. So it, at the end of the day, it really comes down to access to resources. And from doing it from the educational, it means you can't get certain kinds of jobs. And now at those jobs, they have no requirement to hire you. This is the picture that's being painted is, and, and you're, you're, to answer your question, the only thing we can do is fight because that's what we have to do. Well, Mike, we had a chance to see the Marvels, which already going into it has had a lot of controversy. People have been divided about this movie. There's been a backlash. They've called it too woke. It's too female driven for a male dominant superhero movie going audience. Most of the film critics are male. And we had a chance to see the movie and we did a first reaction which is a segment that we typically do here on the Brown and Black podcast where we're in the theater and as the credits are rolling, we give you our first impressions, our first reaction of the movie without really, we're in the moment. People are still around us. And so you'll hear us inside the theater having our initial thoughts about the film. So why don't we listen to this and then kind of break down exactly what we think now 
of the movie. We are here at the AMC Theater on 68th and Broadway. Mike Sargent, Jack Rico here for the first reaction of The Marvels. Uh, and you have to mention that we just saw it in IMAX. I was just going to get there. So, Mike, we just saw The Marvels. Uh, the crowd is... Some of them are still here. Yes, Some, a lot out. of them are just finally uh, leaving the theater. The credits have already rolled. And is this the beginning of a new Marvel era? Because this movie, in my opinion, Mike, was fun. It was fun. And it's interesting because it's gotten such bad buzz and, and everybody's saying that they just kind of threw it out there. I can see why people have had difficulties with it because it strikes a tone that's different than other Marvel movies. It's not quite that it's for kids. It's not quite that it's for women. But it definitely strikes a different tone. And I thought the energy was kind of fresh for a Marvel movie. Coming into this, the buzz, the news that I was hearing is that the movie was too woke. And that oh really um, yeah and that it was there was a backlash on having a black marvel oh really uh, and she was unbelievable and I would say she stole the show totally she stole agree. the movie. I think she stole the movie. I think her timing is great. Her personality is great. And I think her her through line is the strongest in the whole thing. I'll, I'll be honest. I felt that her, her Captain Marvel, Brie Larson's reconciliation with Tiona Paris's character, uh, that was the weakest point. I would agree. The weakest link. Uh, that was the weakest link. I think that everything that happened with uh, Ms. Marvel's character uh, was the best thing in the movie. And it brought a freshness to a Marvel movie that we haven't seen in a minute. It's right. So I it exceeded my expectation. I did not think at all that this movie was going to uh, resonate at all. Resonate <laughs> at all. No, exactly. And I would totally recommend this not only for Marvel fans but for the family. I think um, when you look at the chemistry and the family aspects of this film and the humor and how clever it was. Um, the pacing, the editing, the music, and just the energy and the chemistry of the cast really made this uh, one of the more fun movies, I'd say, I've seen all year long. I'd say it's a surprise. Let's take this outside and we can get a little deeper. All right, so we are now um, right outside, in the right yeah. in front of the AMC Lincoln Square Theater. Uh, so, Mike, let's... Let's break it down. Let's break it down. All right. Well, I'll tell you what I thought was good. What I thought was good was the the fact that it is so lighthearted, that it is fun, that it was enjoyable, that it didn't take itself too seriously. And I think that the performances and the chemistry between the characters is probably the strongest thing. And, and like we said, I think that she completely... The, the young actress who plays Ms. Marvel on her TV show, I think the sensibility of that TV show... And the strength of her character and, and her family, I think they kind of overpower the movie. And it's more her movie than wow. it is Carol Danvers' movie, to me. So so what does that say about Brie Larson, her character, what she brings? Is she an A-list star? Can she now carry a movie? If a young actress who's never acted before 
This is her first like feature gig from what I understand. Yeah. And she takes over a Marvel movie over Brie Larson? Well, this is, I, I'm curious to see if other people feel that way, but I really do think that, that it's, it's pretty clear. And, and I think, no, I, because I do like Brie Larson, I do think that it has says something also about who Ms. Marvel is and, and what the character is and how it's sort of like Shazam and it's a little like uh, Green Lantern because, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. And it, so I think Ms. I think Marvel. Captain Marvel is a is a kind of a slightly murky character in terms of like exactly if she she's not very funny. Well, not like that. And she's like, but she's not also that not powerful. She gets in a lot of fist fights. Like I thought she could defeat Thanos. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But she's fighting in the hallway with goons. So so there are some things about that 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 didn't work for me. I think, and there's some stuff that's just kind of. I just, just the the lot the logic's just not there, so you have to kind of throw it out the window. But I enjoyed it. So there's two yeah. hidden scenes. Yes. There's two hidden credit scenes. Yes. Um, let's talk about the first one. Okay. It's a nod to the Disney Marvel television shows. Completely. And it's a it, it's it's a look at the Gen Z Marvel. Like if there was a Gen Z Marvel. And it was targeted to a Gen Z audience, which is, I think, what they're trying to do. Then this scene definitely starts uniting maybe a young Gen Z Avengers, something of that nature is what I was. I thought they were uh, yeah. alluding to. Uh, they were, and I thought that she'd be perfect to lead it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's a second yes, scene. There is. Yes, now, Tiona Paris uh, is in the in this one. She finds a shocking emotional surprise, but then a hero comes around that I I heard the audience gasp about this. What did you think? Well, I think that without giving away any spoilers, that this in many ways is what Marvel fans have been waiting for about 20 years for. So the union of many other uh, Marvel characters that weren't a part of the Marvel Universe, well, Cinematic Universe. Well, you know, now we're bringing them we, back. We, we may as well give it away if we say <laughs> that. But let's just say, yeah, there's definitely a nice reveal at the end that I think uh, is revealing. But let me ask you, Jack Rico, backing up from from that very last frame, what did you think of the movie? What's your breakdown? What I really enjoyed it. Uh, remember, I was coming into this movie thinking it, that the backlash was real and that these guys didn't want this female movie to do well because I do think that there's a um, a lot of critics, part of the patriarchy critics that don't want female movies to be successful, to do well. Not to mention movies with folks of color. And then that too. So um, it was great for me in particular to know that that race really wasn't an issue with me. Um, That the humor was the real standout here. That the chemistry of the characters, the three of them together, the pacing, the editing, it was a fast movie, man. Like if you blink, you you, you miss some of the action scenes. I thought the the visual effects were great. Um, I was laughing a lot. Um, and the action scenes, you know, they weren't overdone. I felt like 
everything was pretty much in balance. There were some moments where I was like, oh, come on. You, you, that, that, that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. But I think that was part of the childlike fun almost about this movie. It forces you to let go a little bit. It does. And it's, like you said, I think, I think you, you wrapped it up really nicely. It doesn't take itself too seriously. So remember Thor Part 1? Yes. That first Thor had had such a nice sensibility between serious action and humor and i think they nailed it on this one and if there is a captain marvel part three it's gonna be kamala khan absolutely fronting the marvel universe absolutely. and but i would i would be really interested to see how that plays out in the marvel phase five well set. here's what i think though i think fans are going to be split on this movie Really? Uh, I think fans and critics are going to be split. I think some people are going to hate it, and some people are going to really get it and enjoy it. That's my prediction. Well, that's a good prediction, Mike. <laughs> from AMC Lincoln Square, from the Marvel's Live movie. Live Lincoln Square. We're here in front of the AMC. <laughs> this is Brown, Brown and, and Black. Black. Captain Rambo? What the hell are you doing? Entering the jump point perimeter. I'm gonna get you some readings, Fury. Monica. Hello? Monica. Hello? Captain Rambo. Are any of these characters characters that you either recognize or care about? Why? Mike, this backlash, this woke backlash, it just seems there's a group of people that really hate diversity, man. They got an issue with multiculturalism. And I'm going, what country do you think you live in, bro? Like, like what country, this isn't Sweden or Norway, this is the United States of America. It's a whole, the whole principles of this country was based on immigrants that look different than us. And all of a sudden you wanna ignore all this. That's, every time you see a movie with women, with black people, with Muslims on screen, it's a win for us. But they look at it as a failure. Like something's wrong with the system. Like everybody should be white. There's studies that have already shown that it doesn't matter whether you have a white lead, a white male lead in particular or not. It doesn't matter as long as the story is good People will go watch it. And I think a great example of that is Black Panther, Crazy Rich I was Asians. just going to say, I was just going to say. Look at Hamilton on Broadway. I mean, it works. It works. So it clearly says that you are a racist, Ben Shapiro. You trying to defend that the movie should be nothing but white males fighting each other, as opposed to seeing these three women that have added so much different freshness to the story. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do about this. Do you think this might hurt storytelling, diverse storytelling moving forward? Well, you see, I, only if they do like Scholastic, if they cater to the bigots, 
if you cater to the bigots, then you're going to have these types of things. But I don't think so. But I mean, again, Ben Shapiro clearly called that Barbie was going to be the biggest flop of the year. Like, so clearly and it's he's a pressing billion it. dollar film. Now. Exactly. Right. So, so he's out of step with the times. Okay. And I guess I, I think a lot of these racism, you always hear me say racism and sexism are very close cousins. So, so is classism. It makes, it, and I was just going to say, and the mother of all of that is classism. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to me, I see this is, this is at some point people are going to stop listening or, or let's put it like this. I feel like it's a bubble. These people live in a bubble. He's got whatever, six point six and a half million subscribers. So there are a lot of people that will listen to him that a lot of people that like what he has to say, but those people, those 6 million people, those people, I don't know if they're going to not go to the movie. And, and if they are not going to go, it didn't hurt Barbie. I really enjoyed this movie because I think that going to the movies today is about a form of escapism that we need more than ever because it's so polarized the country. It's so dark. So many people are demoralized. And to see a movie that works with women, which is not something we see very often, a female superhero. Blue Beetle came at the wrong time and it's not really being supported very well. I don't want to see any more white male superheroes. I want to see more Black Panthers, more Blue Beetles, more the Marvels. Listen, the Canadian actress uh, Iman Vellani, who plays Kamala Khan, dude, she's a star. Totally. She's a star. Totally. To deny her being on screen is a crime, in my opinion. And I know Ben Shapiro and everybody else like him, they felt that energy. But they were uncomfortable with where she's from, her background, what she represents to this country in particular. It becomes more about your own baggage and what you're bringing to the movie theater than allowing the objectivity of this story to, to register. Absolutely. Listen, you remember the cry over the Hunger Games when the little black girl that was described as a little black girl in the novel, but obviously lots of people didn't see it that way. When she was played by a little black girl, there was a big uproar. Mm. You remember that? Yep. So I think you're right. And I think that it, I think it's smart. I mean, the Marvels is not a perfect film. I can see there are legitimate criticisms against the Marvels. There are definitely some things that I think don't work. It does take some big swings and I think a lot of them do work. And if you surrender to the narrative, to the pacing, to what they're doing here and realize that this is not necessarily a movie for you. It's not necessarily a movie for a Ben Shapiro, a white male. It's a movie for somebody who's able to enjoy a story about someone who doesn't look like them and someone who may not have their sensibilities or even maybe someone who doesn't like cats. <laughs> you got to like cats to like this movie. We saw, we saw this in IMAX and yes, I recommend everybody go see it in IMAX if they can. If you're looking for action, you're looking for humor, you're looking back at that nostalgic moment of what Marvel does so well, combine comedy with action and a sense of moral responsibility for society and how our children should be raised and a little bit of that, that all creates like a very pleasant, happy experience. Like parents could feel good that their children are watching this, that they have more of a sense of understanding and empathy for different types of people and how fun like an actress like Iman Vellani or the director Nia DaCosta 
That's um, correct. Of what they can provide and the entertainment value and the freshness and the novelty that they bring. Dude, this was great. I Look, bringing in this younger generation, this Gen Z-like generation, I feel like they're kind of trying to kind of build the young Avengers. Well, they absolutely are. As a matter of fact, don't give away any spoilers now. But yes, they're trying to build the young Avengers and the next wave. The next wave has to be more diverse. Than it and it has to be younger, too. It has to be younger. It has to be more diverse because most of those heroes from the 60s, let's face it, they were mostly white males and it was created by white males. So like you said, a film like this that features three women, three women of different color, the writer-director's a, a woman of color, and she's doing genre films. She did Candyman. Now she did this. So I think that this is the, every reason for this to happen is the reason it should happen. But every reason that it is happening is the reason people like Ben Shapiro are against it. And the reason why organizations like the Alliance for Equal Rights are against it. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Mike, this has been a fun conversation. Uh, I can't wait for the next episode. And folks, we just want to congratulate all the actors, the SAG-AFTRA The strike is over. Actors are going back. I'm not sure if you've already noticed it. There is so many publicists reaching out with actors to actually promote their movies. We're flooded with them. I got a flood of emails of actors that are now available to talk to the press to promote their movies. And I'm kind of excited that they've injected a new breath of life into culture. And I'm excited about that. I am too. Well, that's it for this episode of Brown and Black. If you would like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Your help will allow us to be heard by many more people. You can follow our comments and opinions on at Brown Black Podcast on X, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll see you on the next episode of Brown and Black. Ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e commerce expert. So, yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our start up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase.
Go to Shopify.com slash Sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Sonoro. 